This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Dr. Daff Show. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and I have a very special guest with me today, Mrs. Christina Cheney. Christina is a pastor. She also is a mother of three beautiful boys and a content creator. We're going to talk today about her journey with dating, love, and finding Christ. So welcome, Christina. Hi, Dr. Michelle. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. And this is a really special episode for me because I recently brought you up on a podcast of mine where I was talking Mm -hmm. about how God led me to the place that I'm in today. And you were someone that I didn't even realize that I was like holding on to this like promise of an image I had. So you and your husband did like a panel years ago where Mm -hmm. you were doing like relationship conversations and there were other couples. This is before I was even in Christ. And I remember how much you two were in love and I just loved the love that you shared. And then I saw a photo your husband posted when he proposed to you and you had this beautiful ring and he had a really like nice caption. I'm going to post a photo because you can see like what the way Instagram looks, how old this picture was. (laughs) And I didn't think about it that much, but it was something that kind of came in my mind every now and then, like how cool would it be to be like working for God in a church, like on a panel talking about love And interestingly enough, when I got married, my husband bought me a ring that looks just like yours. And he chose it on his own. It wasn't like I told him I wanted this kind of a ring. He chose it on his own. And I found the picture the other day and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to find her. And so that's why I invited you on the show. And I'm just so, 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 so honored to have you here. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. What a blessing to hear that. You know, you don't you you don't know the impact you have on other people's lives sometimes. And you're like, Lord, am I doing your will? And then when someone's testimony like yours comes along, you're just like, thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. That's amazing. He is so faithful. So no, thank you so much for for everything. So I just wanted to start by asking you some questions about you. Can you just let us know a little bit about your life right now? I know that you used to work in the music industry and Mm -hmm. uh, you're very beautiful and well-spoken and just have a gorgeous presence, but you changed the focus of where you were putting that glory and you put it into God. So if you can just give us a little bit of background on your life. Oh, Lord, a a little background in my life. Okay, let me see, Lord, give me me the grace to condense this. Well, like you said, I was um, heavily involved in the music industry. I had a EP out, I had songs on the radio, and I've worked with a lot of renowned artists like Busta Rhymes, Sean Paul, Gucci Mane, to name a few. And I was chasing fame. And I was chasing just adoration from man. And I don't know why and where that desire came from, because I come from a two-parent household. My parents have always been present, so I don't know where that desire came from. But that's what I was chasing after, and I was good at it, and it was very promising. However, 
there was this void always. And I always knew I was turning my back on the Lord. And so one day he allowed me to have an encounter that I don't know if we have the time to go into right now, a very supernatural, crazy encounter where I thought I died and I had a choice to make. It was either to serve God with the gifts or continue to serve the world or serve the enemy with my talent and giftings. And so you can't just deny that. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I repented. And and it was like cold turkey. I just shut everything down and God took care of the rest. He like closed all the doors. I mean, every single door, every window, he closed it. And I felt like I was in a wilderness. What do I do, God? There's no one here. I'm in LA. I have no real friends. What do I do? And he was just like, just spend time with me you have a lot of unlearning to do and I need to fill you up with my spirit. So spend time with me. I was so, I felt so lonely. And so I went through a season where it was just me and God. I was like, all right, through me, take it away. Any thoughts, any desires, any unclean thing that is not of you, take it out of me. And I had this real honest heart shift where it was like that final surrender is like, you know, you have to surrender everything, every area to God, but that one thing you just didn't want to do. So I finally surrendered it. And Sure enough, I met my husband shortly after that final surrender, which was odd. So that's where I kind of started dating with God because I'm like, Lord, I'm not trying to make the same mistakes again. Like, I don't know. You can have to show me this and that. So God was just very involved in all of my choices in that preliminary stage or when I rededicated my life so that he, I could discern what, what was him and what wasn't him. And just the glory of his love and his presence did not compare to what the world had to offer at all at all. Wow. Wow, That is so powerful. So what was that final surrender for you? The final surrender was, uh, I guess it was relationships, wanting to have somebody in my life, wanting to have a relationship. It was one relationship in particular. I was dating this guy and I really wanted us to be a thing. I mean, I ended up getting pregnant with him by his child and I aborted the baby in my ignorance and my immaturity And I cried out to God because I knew like I had never, that was like the lowest of the low. I had never been so low and so far removed from my senses and my, and just truth. And I had a moment with the Holy Spirit where I literally felt and had revelation of his forgiveness, of his love for me, of the promise that he had, that he wants to, to like just heal me and use me and like call me his daughter and having that real encounter with the Holy Spirit, he healed me. He, I was like, Lord, forgive me, take this all away. And he He healed me. And it was like that lowest point was like, okay, I'm clearly lost. I can't keep doing this because if this is where my life, this if this is where I'm taking my life, it's not, it's not working out. I need to trust the one who designed me with my life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Being as you are someone who went through that process of feeling like you were in love, having an abortion, but now God has blessed you with three children. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who has had an abortion and Mm -hmm. feels like because they've done this thing, God will not bless them with kids in the future and are struggling with that fear? Yeah. First of all, that's a lie because the Lord Jesus came and died for our sins, past, present, and future. And the only thing that keeps us in those in the torment is our guilt and shame. If we're not in right standing with God, meaning anything that turns our mind away from God and puts our focus on the problem and not the problem solver, he, he took care of it all on the cross. So it's like, when you understand that it's already finished and these 
mere stumbling blocks, which, you know, God, God doesn't judge impartially. He judges completely. And so like understanding that something so insignificant to, to, how do I say this? Lord, help me. That there's nothing too great that God can't forgive and can't mend nothing too broken. In fact, he, he prefers us to be broken because that's where his strength is made perfect. And so like the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee, resist those thoughts, get into the word of God to know that he has forgiven you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. And that he is our healer and our redeemer. That's his desire is to reconcile us to him. And so understanding that like, wow, he forgave this moment. He saw this moment in time and he uses all things to work together for good for those who are called to his purpose. So when I understood that, I am chosen, I'm called, I'm in the palm of his hand and no one can take me away from him, take me out of his hand. I can trust God with my life and I can trust that he has forgiven me and my and my life that I can't even imagine what the blessings he has for me. I couldn't imagine this five years ago, what I'm living in now. I'm wow. living in my prayers now. That is, I can't imagine what the next five, 10 years has. That is so powerful because when we are in a place of shame, whether Mm -hmm. we've had an abortion or a very promiscuous past or we've Mm -hmm. stolen or gone to jail or anything that we feel shame about, sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, even if we feel like we know that God has forgiven us. Did you have Mm -hmm. to go through a process of also forgiving yourself or was it enough for you when you read the scriptures to believe that because God forgave you, you Mm -hmm. can forgive yourself? Yeah, that the latter part, I I was so sad and I'm like, I can't believe I did this. And I was surprised at how quick I went to God about it and didn't just dwell in that. And I thank God that I didn't dwell in that because I can only imagine like the torment from that dwelling in and not going straight to God. So having an upbringing of knowing that he's he forgives sins is it definitely had something. It supported me in that where I didn't live in that dark place longer than I needed to. So I cried out and crying is so healthy. Some people want to hold it in and be strong, but actually crying is healthy. It's purging, it's cleansing, it's spiritual cleansing. And I just cried, 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 cried until I felt it leave, until I felt the guilt and shame leave. I tell people all the time, pray until you feel something change inside of you. Don't just pray like, oh, it's not working. God doesn't love me. This is too much for him. He can't, he doesn't, he's, he's disappointed with me. Those are lies of the enemy. Let me introduce you to the mouth of Satan. That's all it is. And when you know this push past the cloud, it's like, it's warfare. You got to pray, pray, pray without ceasing until you bust through that film. And then you have this aha moment. Like, wow, I'm up here where God wants us to be always above like the mess and the chaos of thoughts. And when you master that, those thoughts that you always struggle with no longer be a problem for you. At least yes. not for me. Yeah. Like you said, you push, pray until something happens. And I yes. remember in one of your videos, you discussed like after you pray, you know, don't just pray and just walk away, like sit there mm-hmm. and listen and allow the Holy Spirit to minister and talk to you and yes. allow yourself to be in the presence of God. So yeah. it's it's wonderful that you were able to get to the point where you said you weren't going to sit in that darkness for a long time because no sin is greater than another. Whether yeah. you had an abortion or you killed someone, mm-hmm. you are sinning in God's eyes yeah. and exactly. he looks at it all the same. Yeah. Whether you're lying, whether you're stealing, I mean, whether mm-hmm. you're having premarital sex, mm-hmm. it's all the same in God's eyes. And I think people need to 
understand that, even though it's very difficult to believe. Yeah. Because we rank it. Right. <laughs> but in God's eyes, it's all the same. And he has made forgiveness available. Now, in speaking yeah. about premarital sex, you and your husband, when you dated, you took a vow of celibacy. Is that correct? Yeah. So we did this before we met. Oh, you did this before I, you met. Oh, yeah, girl. And I was like, Lord, take it all. It was also take that desire to want to cuddle up with someone, cuffing <laughs> seat and all that stuff. Take it away. And he really did. It was a moment of deliverance where I, I found value in that, where it would fill the quote unquote, my void at the time. And I came to that, that decision. And it's the Lord I, having that understanding that my body is the temple of the Holy spirit. And he wants to be one with me and fellowship with me. And if I'm in, if I'm out of alignment, I can't hear clearly from him. And so he wanted me to be solely like, so aligned with him. And so when I started dating Stefan, you hear a lot of times God's guys like, you know, I love the Lord. Yeah, I go to church, but then they still trying to get you over mm -hmm. and stay the night and things like that. And you're like, I'm so over that. So when Stefan told me that he was celibate, I was like, yeah, no. Okay. But I'm really celibate. He's like, no, I'm celibate too. <laughs> and I felt the genuineness of that. I'm celibate. And then I had like the glory of the Lord appeared on him for just a second, just enough for me to notice and not freak me out. Like his face glowed. And I was like, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, because he's been faithful to me, I'm blessing him with you. And in return, because of your faithfulness, I'm blessing you with him. And I thought, well, this is too soon. I just decided to follow you. This is too soon. I just surrendered everything. This is too soon. He was like, time is in my hands. Wow. I'm not slow like some others would think I'm slow. He's patient with us. And he restores the years and he will accelerate stuff and he will pause and shut stuff down. And so, yeah, he's, he was just all of it. Oh, wow. yeah. And I like what you said about when you are not in alignment with God, especially with dating, it's difficult to hear from him. And a lot mm -hmm. of people will date people and they'll say, it was confirmed to me that he was my husband or that I was supposed to be with him. I hear that a lot. And I always wonder, where did you get this confirmation where is this coming from? And I think people are very confused when they say that because typically this is a conversation after this person has like broken their heart or just somewhat destroyed whatever they had. And they say, but but I, I had confirmation. It's like, yeah. what confirmation did you get? And what is considered confirmation? So in your eyes, when you felt that the Lord confirmed it to you, what did you base that on? So I was in my word a lot. Reading the word helps you to interpret the word of God because God is not going to contradict his own word, his own self. And so when God, when you have to look back, when God created Adam, he created Adam, he pulled out the rib, then created Eve and presented her to Adam. And Adam said, oh, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I shall call her woman. And he took her as his wife and the Lord blessed them. So the Lord presented her to Adam and Adam chose her. He's like, yes, I recognize her. That's mine. And so that's, God is not going to defy his own order. There is an order and a law that God stands by. That's why he's perfect. And so I, I, Stefan must have known before me. I mean, he did. He knew way before we were dating. And I was just in with the Holy Spirit all the time checking in, Lord God, is this you? Is this not, not you? Understanding that the word is sharper than any double-edged sword, separating between spirit and soul, 
So our soul, which is where our mind lives, our opinions, our ideologies, our thoughts, we don't sometimes can we sometimes cannot discern what are our thoughts and desires apart from God's word. And so if you're not reading the word of God, which provides light and life into your soul and spirit, your spirit can help discern what is truly what God has for you and what he doesn't have for you. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short is I'm not reading scripture to illuminate their soul, to help discern what's God's voice and what's not. So when a person is dating someone and they read scripture and they're understanding the scripture, Mm -hmm. are you suggesting that they evaluate the scripture with this person's behaviors or are they looking to hear from God through the scripture being illuminated? So hearing from God, the scripture will confirm what God has been whispering into you. So when you can tell something is of God, there's peace marked throughout the whole thing. There is absolutely no confusion. There were no games. There is no uncertainty. It's, it is, it's pure. There's a purity behind it. There is no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, fear or anything like that. Like you have to understand God's fingerprint. And in order to understand God's fingerprint, you need to understand who he is. And he's not going to dangle fruit in front of you and tease you with something. And God also will not put someone in your heart, in your life, if the throne where he's supposed to be seated can easily be placed with someone else. If he knows that you're not strong enough to keep God on the throne of your heart, he won't give you somebody because you'll be quick to put that person in God's place. So you have to know, like, you have to be in a place, and this is the place that I was in. I don't care if God did nothing else for me. He did enough. If I'm single forever, so be it. If it's God will, so be it. If I if I have to live homeless, whatever it is, I got so extreme, not legalistic, but extreme with my my radical change and my heart's desire was God above anything else. And I think that discerning your heart, what does your heart want? Does your heart really want marriage or do you really want Jesus? If you really want marriage, you'll have marriage, but it might end in two years. I can't tell you how many people I talked to who didn't really evaluate themselves pray really discern and, and and ask God really counsel the Holy Spirit. Is this for me now? Is this you? Cause it could be for you. Just not now. He could have shown you something because you prayed a prayer, pray, pray, pray. And, and God will honor the prayers of the righteous. He will, he will do that, but trust God's timing and trust. Don't push anything. And God's going to confirm it with the man first. He will. That's right. I hope I answered your question. No, you did. You did. I remember being at the event where there was a panel with you and Stefan, do you remember that event? I don't know. I'm trying to think. It was like, I want to say it was like in 2014 and it was a church in LA. I don't even know, remember who invited me, but I think her name was Chance. We weren't married in 14, but. Okay. You definitely were not married at the time. Oh, I wasn't. Okay. You were dating him. That's why I kind of followed the journey. Okay. Yes. Yes. I remember. Wow. Well, I do remember at some point something happened where you mentioned whether it was on social media or at an event that since you waited after the wait and you married him and you guys did end up having sex that it was like better than you could have ever thought and like god did all these incredible things in your sex life that you would have never expected mm-hmm. yeah without getting into too much detail yeah what is the difference in your eyes in terms of waiting and allowing the Lord to bless your sex life and not waiting? Because some people 
truly, this is a really big issue with people who are Christians. They mm-hmm. feel as if if they wait to have sex and they're inexperienced, mm-hmm. that their partner um, may not like the fact that they don't know what they're doing, that, you know, sex then just becomes to have children. Like, And there's no like real joy. And they don't understand that sex was made by God to yeah. be fun and enjoyable and that he will bless your sex life. So yeah. is there anything that you yeah. can share in that category? Yeah. Having those thoughts is, is one immaturity because like you said, God designed sex. He designed man and fe- male and feeble to come together and produce offspring and have a family and joy and all these things. And so sex outside of marriage is steals from you. It truly steals from your soul and it pollutes your mind. It perverts everything that God does because the Bible says sexual morality is sin against one's own body. So you are like a walking target for all sorts of attack and ideas that are not from God and the, and the enemy coming, stealing, stealing words from God, stealing God's very own truth from your soul. And sex in marriage. Remember, I prayed for this man. I pray that the Lord's will be done. And God knows me. He knows what I need because he designed me. And so without going into too much detail, I trust God with this part. And my husband did too. We were equally yoked from the start. Right. So we talked and we talked about sex and expectations when we were dating and like, you know, what's it going to be like, how often, whatever. So like, that's when we got married so quickly because, you know, um, <laughs> but it really was. And, and also worshiping while having sex is something that is so supernatural. Wow. It's in, it's in the, cause it's in the covenant and it's so sex is, is a holy thing when done in the covenant of marriage. It's holy. It's pure. It's, it unifies man and wife becoming one in the flesh and to mirror that in the spirit, God desires us to be one with him, not sexually. Like the enemy comes to pollute people who have those sexual dreams when the God, when they're like, oh, God gave me a sexual dream. No, that's not, that is not of God. Let me just say that. But God desires to be indwelling with us, to be one with us. And so marriage mirrors our relationship with God, how it was supposed to be God's relationship with humanity. That's why marriages are under attack because marriage is a ministry. Marriage is supposed to mirror God's relationship with humanity. And so our sex life is enjoyable. We, it's great. (laughs) I actually, I actually, that's a blessing. I read that sex, when you have sex with your husband, God loves it because it's a reminder of his promise of his covenant. It's like you Mm -hmm. keep reminding him and reminding him that this is Mm -hmm. his. And unfortunately, a lot of times when people do get married, unfortunately, they stop having a desire to have sex. The wife all of a sudden doesn't want to have sex anymore. And it's like, well, before you're married or when you were in the world, you couldn't stop having sex. You wanted to do it all day long. Yeah, Yeah. you couldn't even stop. And now that you can, you don't want to. And I think that's just Satan trying to ruin what Mm -hmm. God has created because that's what Satan does. And so I, I do think that it would also help in the church for sex to be talked about more freely in marriage and for women to have a better understanding and a confidence into going into marriage with Mm -hmm. sex in mind, because we don't talk about it. We don't give guidance. We don't even touch on that area. That's so important. Yeah. It gives space for the enemy to attack it. Yeah, I agree. 
Absolutely. Just like anything else. When I realized what I realized having sex outside of marriage and then now being married and having and understanding the holiness, the holy aspect of mar- of sex in marriage, when you are having sex and entering marriage, you've left a door open for lust to continue to be there. It's a doorway. Any Anything outside of the will of God is access, is portals to demonic influence always. That's why you have so many couples struggling with pornography still. And you know, lustful thinking and things like that and unhappy, unsatisfactory because my wife's supposed to be doing this. Well, who says she was supposed to be doing that? Mm. Where did you get your concept of sex from? And so this whole thing of dis- discerning or, or defining boring versus exciting is also where'd you get, where, who defined that for you? So the enemy, like you said, is so sneaky and so crafty. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time that he knows the word of God. He, he, the way he presented it, Eve, did God really say that you will die if you ate from the tree of, you know what I mean? So like he will do that all the time to try to make it, following God seem so boring. And it is not far beyond what you could think boring, like far beyond boring. And I pray for women who are like, well, you got to test drive that thing first. No, you don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to get whole with the Lord first. You need to ask the Lord to fill up all the voids, remove all of those influences and thoughts that have built itself up in your life and ask the Lord to be your foundation and to build his love and his ideas and his plans for you in, in your in your body and your soul. But where are people supposed to get their ideas of sex? Because like you're saying, if the husband or, or the wife is expecting certain things and mm-hmm. it's not happening where are Christians supposed to get their standards for what their sex life should or should not be like? I think that's difficult. So we're, since we're, you, you're at, you keep talking about it. So I'm just going to share a story. Okay. Um, <laughs> and how this is where the Holy spirit comes into play. Like it's so crucial to have the Holy spirit pray for more of the Holy spirit. But, um, Early in our in our marriage, we were excited to be married. So we're like, we can do whatever. The bedroom's on the file. Let's go. Let's do whatever. And we we transparency moment. Okay, family. Uh, we went and and bought some toys because we're like we're married. We it's the bedroom's undefiled. We can right. buy toys and play with toys. And as we were in that process of, of you know playing with toys, we had this moment where both of us felt convicted. Like, really this doesn't feel right, nor okay. does it feel necessary. What is that? We're like, oh, this is not of God. This is actually a weapon of the enemy to try to get in, gain access. And we're oh. like, yeah, we're doing this. We threw it away. So the Holy Spirit praying for discernment, because the Bible is not talking about sex positions and things like that. You know what I mean? It's not talking about those things. We live in a very like knowledgeable world now. And so it's all the more crucial to have the Holy spirit and discernment to know what is of God, what is not of God. Having that dialogue with your spouse, always praying is important because you're not going to get those specific written things in the word. But when you read scripture, you know, God's heart more and he becomes, he, he grow. It's like your spirit man grows up immaturity. And so you're able to discern, oh, I do need to look both ways before I cross the street. Otherwise I'm going to get hit by a car. You know what I mean? Like that's not in the Bible. (laughs) And the Bible also says that the fear of the Lord produces is the beginning of wisdom. 
So I was always reverencing God in everything. And so that's that's the best way I can describe it is just give me a testimony like that because God will show you what's what's right. Where did where did you get that idea from? Who where did that come from? Mm. You know what I mean? And then you can help better discern if that is something from God or not from God. That's interesting. I, I have like a whole list of questions for you, but it's like this topic, God it just keeps putting it on my heart to yeah. dive deeper into yeah. this. Uh, okay. Because you know how you were talking about the toys and you you felt in your spirits it wasn't from God. And I can kind of see that being twofold because, yes, the toys could open up room for, let's say, you using it without your spouse or becoming addicted to it, right? Or it pleasuring you more than your spouse. Yeah. But on the other hand of it, what if a person's spouse wasn't able to give them a certain satisfaction that they're looking for? And together using the toy, they feel that, okay, my wife is satisfied. I'm fine with it. Maybe I'm not able to, to get to that, get her to that point, but this toy can. And as long as we use it together, it's okay. Do you feel that there, with certain things, because there is no rule book, it depends mm-hmm. on how the Holy Spirit is ministering to you? Or do you think that if the root of something is an evil, then it should just be avoided in general, like if toys are made specifically for sexual immorality, that's that was a market, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it should stay that way. The motivation behind it, like if there is, you know, a physical disability or something like that, and they both have agreed and have made a decision together and came into agreement together over this thing. That's just another thing that they have to always talk about and cover because it can be used as a weapon because it it is the way it was birthed. It wasn't birthed from, you know, people of God, like it was birthed in the world of lust and pornography and things like that. That's where it came from. So you have to be very, very careful and be very prayed up and always talk because it can leave room for masturbation and things like that. My husband never can, can't satisfy me, whatever. And pray because don't discredit what God can do. Oh, God yeah. can surely heal and, re- and, and restore your sex life. Like before marriage, I, since we're speaking candidly, I was never, I never experienced orgasms ever, ever until my husband. Wow. Until my husband. And it's like all that time you were having sex, you weren't even being like fully. No, I was giving myself away. And like, I mean, I'm like, Oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace, God, your grace. And and I'm like, thank you, Lord, that this is, this is what you have for me. Someone that I could trust. And like, who is my husband, who I'm doing life with, like God and his grace. He is so faithful. I'm so, he's so faithful. Oh, he man, is. And so you just reminded awesome. me when you said that, um, I, you asked about having children. I just had a baby and he okay. just turned nine yeah. months, <laughs> but oh, wow. Congratulations. thank you. After like being pregnant, I was very, very afraid of having sex because I had heard all these horror stories about what happens to your body and just him not being satisfied, you not being satisfied. And I was very afraid. And I kind of feel like I maybe pushed it a little bit longer than I needed to go mm-hmm. just to make sure I was healed, but also because of that fear. And after praying to God and allowing him to be my everything. And like you said, he knows your needs. He knows your body because he created it. He knows what gives you pleasure. And after having the baby, the pleasure with sex with my husband is like, 
10 times what it was before. Like I, I am wow. literally in shock each time at how amazing it is uh, yeah. because I've never ex- ever experienced the things I experience now. So wow. it does go to show that God can do anything if you give it of to him. Of course. Absolutely. And he cares. He cares about your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> he, he designed, he created pleasure. Yes. It's the enemy who corrupts everything God does and counterfeits everything. When dating your husband, why do you think he chose you to be his wife? Out of all the women he could have been with, why you? Because I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you'd have to ask him. But um, he said that there was something about me. And everyone would be like, oh, because she's tall and pretty. But I was, <laughs> one of my one of our friends, he was like, is she from another country? We, we all went to the same church. She, she must be from another country because I was always the only one in the front of the, in the altar, like running and dancing. I didn't care. I was, I was getting delivered. You know what I mean? I was in my, my healing moments, delivering, delivering. So he saw me and maybe he saw God's hand on me. Oh, you know what? He will say that being in LA, having been in LA and experienced the dating world in LA and how superficial some people can be and only materialistic and things like that. I was not like that. I had come from that world, but my husband, when we met, he was unemployed. He had is was going through his DUI stuff, um, and so he he had no car because his car was you know booted and all that kind of stuff. And I helped him. I would pick him up. I would take him to work. I, you know, was just there, and it and it was weird because I had never dated anyone in his situation before, but I, I saw that he was a man of God. And God showed me his future. And I'm I'm living in 25% of what God showed me. And it's amazing. And just trusting God that seeing God through, seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. And I think Stefan saw that the way I saw people, the way I would help people and, and advocate for those who couldn't advocate for themselves, like just witnessing the hand of God working through my life. That's the only thing, like our, both of our testimonies are very much the same. Like we saw God working in each other's lives. Wow. You're so humble. I mean, you are so, so sweet. I do remember you making a post once. I think you were on vacation with your husband and you were talking about how you would just like see someone. I think it was like a waitress or someone. And you just start praying for them in your mind and blessing them. And I thought, how beautiful is that? We walk around all day seeing people and just living our own lives. But what if you just silently, knowing you're not going to get anything in return in a sense that they're not going to know you did it, praying mm-hmm. for people as yeah. you see them and you're on vacation. Yeah. You're supposed to be having fun. Like <laughs> you're thinking about praying and blessing people. Like you're a beautiful person inside yeah, and you, out. Thank you. Praise God. When you understand the power of God and that we have keys of the kingdom of God, we have keys of the kingdom of God, calling, binding things on earth, loosing things on earth as they are in heaven. When you understand the authority we have in Jesus, it's not always standing on the corner with a bullhorn. Oh, you want to help whatever, but it's using the power of God. I have words, life and death. So a lot of times I'll just be like, if I see something, Lord God bless them. If they have, if they're suffering from financial lack, I pray that they will experience breakthrough whenever I can, whenever I, I see, if I see something instead of, oh man, that sucks. Or man, they crazy. I, it, it's, it's a muscle. I had to train that to be like, 
Father, bless them, Lord, protect them, as opposed to, man, that sucks, or the casual response that we would give to things that we see. Mm -hmm. I've turned that into prayer. And man, I don't know what's happening over the people I pray for, but I have faith to know that if this if this is God telling me to do that, then he's going to do something. He's going to release something on them, you know? Amen. Amen. And it's interesting because when you talked about your husband and feeling as if you know, you had already heard from God because you were so connected with the Holy Spirit, you were able to discern things. And even though you never dated someone in that situation, you were willing to do something a little bit different. And I find that interesting because on my channel, I talk a lot about dating and femininity and how it's so important to date men who have their life together and have the things that you were saying that he didn't have. So on my end, I would, I probably wouldn't recommend someone to date someone like your husband in that time and season of his life. But like you said, even though it didn't make sense, it wasn't something you were doing all the time, just thinking that, you know, you can just date whoever and everything is going to work out. But you heard from God and you felt and knew that God was with you through this. And you kind of saw the future that God showed you with him. So it's a lot deeper. And I want to make sure people hear that because, you know, women, unfortunately, so many of us do get taken advantage of in in love. And it's because we don't have that connection with God. Yes, the Holy Spirit. And also knowing that in certain encounters and relationships will come with testings because there's always something to learn with people. God will use people to teach us something. And having, and I have dated guys who didn't have anything and I was the one that funded stuff, but I, that's why I left that. And I was, I'm only going to date ballers. <laughs> I'm over this. And I only dated ballers for a while. And, but it was very superficial as carnal was outside of the will of God, but having been so like having that time with the Lord, like that separation from world, saying no to things, saying no to parties, saying no to TV, fasting, all that stuff to really know God and have him really moving enemies to discernment is so important. And a lot of people lack discernment. They think they think someone's their husband. And then when the relationship ends, but I thought it was my husband. Was that really something that God told you? Mm-hmm. Or did you desire that for yourself? Because our desire should always be Jesus above any and everything. And when he knows that we're ready, when he can trust us that no one's taking my throne, then he'll start to add, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And everything will be added to you. Your, your husband, your job, your children, everything, you're healing everything, but there is an order and exclusivity being in righteousness. The promises of God, they're for everyone, but for those who are in righteousness. It's when you think about a kingdom, I love Dr. The late Dr. Miles Monroe. Oh, me too. He's my spiritual mentor. Wow. Yes. He's amazing. If you're, if you're like our, our great country, land of the free, if we're coming up, you know, robbing people and killing people, we're going to be locked up. We're not going to have access to the freedom of that this country offers, but this is how much more for God. If we're not operating in God, we are poisonous, especially as children of God, because we have the word, but we're not walking in God. So we can just emit poison everywhere, thinking that it's God's will, thinking that God's spoken to me, but you're not in alignment. That's so right. You, that, so how do you know you're not in alignment? That's so important. So people want to like put band-aids and abuse the grace of God. And it's like, no, 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 we have to be, remember, God is a prize. He is the prize. He is a king. He should be the king on the throne of our heart. And then he could trust us with the additions, the great promise that he has for us. Otherwise, Amen. we're doing it all ourselves. 
Amen. Amen to that. So you've now been married for how many years? Going on eight in April. Wow. Congratulations. And you have three boys, three sons. Three boys, five, four, and two. Wow. So being a mother and a wife, going back to the conversation we were having before about intimacy and sex with your husband, how is it that you're able to still play all these different roles with a smile? Because I know for me personally, after just having a baby, Mm-hmm. that, yes, I still desire to have sex with my husband. I absolutely love having sex with my husband, but I don't feel sexy. I don't feel clean because a lot of times it's like mm-hmm. I didn't get to take a shower or I didn't get to do my spa routine. I was so used to having like yes. this whole oh, yeah. routine of beauty yeah. when I met him. And now it's like I'm not even mentally in a place where I feel desirable. And Mm -hmm. so it it blocks that, you know, I feel sometimes from, from happening. So is there any advice you can give to women who are mothers, who are stressed, but also want to keep intimacy with their husbands? Mm -hmm. I was there. There are seasons. There are seasons where you will feel tired and your stomach looks crazy because you just push out a baby (laughs) and you're sore and your hair, whatever your acne, your acne, all that stuff. But when you know your husband loves you anyway, he still, my, my man didn't care. He was still like, Ooh, I'm like, baby, I can't. He's like, when is <laughs> six weeks, right? Six weeks postpartum, yeah, right? I'm six like, weeks. Let's do eight. Cause I'm not quite feeling it, but having that dialogue and he always made me feel safe. And I had to kind of coach him through some stuff too, mm-hmm. but because we're one, he hears me when I talk about my, if I, when I had the insecurities and things like that, and he was patient with me when I did have those, but he would always remind me if I, if we look, if we were in a low, low too long, mm-hmm. he'll be like, he would just remind me or take me on a date night to just kind of spark something. But knowing that babe, it's not, it's about us coming one. It's about us. And he's so macho. So sometimes I can't take him seriously when he wants to be like, mm-hmm. I need you. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, you do. I'm, and this is, and that's why people don't understand, like, you know, sex and marriage is holy. It's work. Being intimate, having that constant connection, it's work, just like our work with getting closer to God, pursuing him. He says, as you, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. He's done all, he's done it all. Now he's just like this. God's waiting for us to come and chase him. And so it's the same in marriage. We both chase each other. We'll have seasons where Someone might be chasing somebody, but you get to a place finally when you push through that wilderness period or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you get to the other side and you're like, you have, you form a rhythm, but then something might happen that switches the rhythm. Work gets crazy, whatever, but communication is so important. Constantly having that dialogue and making sure you're on the same page always. That's good. You said that your husband is like macho and obviously he is a man of God as well. In your mm-hmm. marriage, are there things that you do as a couple where your husband is covering your family or just spiritual things that you do as a family? And what does that look like for a Christian couple? My husband, he makes it a point to set time with God every day, have his devotional every single day. And, you know, in the beginning, when we were first married, he comes from a background of divorce. His parents were divorced when he was like nine. My parents are still together, but they're more like roommates. And I've never witnessed them having fun or smiling at each other. Like they just don't like each other to put it plainly. And so I witnessed that. And so that was my model. 
So I had to unlearn a lot. He didn't have to unlearn much. His parents weren't together. I had to unlearn. So my husband was patient with me and leading me in that. Like, I'm not this. I will never do that. Like, just being the man of God that he is. And I, in the beginning, I wanted to fight certain things and put my gloves on, but understanding like, if I'm doing that, it's a disservice to myself because he is my body. We are one. So it's okay to surrender and let go and just say, okay, and just trust him because God has appointed him as a priest of the house. So who am I to, to, to judge that and, and challenge that? Woe to me because <laughs> my submission to my husband benefits my life. In what ways? And everything, peace, joy, um, like just the functionality of like the increase, increase in just the functionality of our household. Like we have like our friends, people that come over sometimes will be like, there's so much peace in this house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, there is. In the beginning, it was a lot of strife. Just because we're getting to know each other, we're getting, we're becoming one, we're battling some old things we have to unlearn. But now it's just like, we're in a rhythm. Like if he says something that I don't quite agree with, I have my you know track record that to just trust him anyways. And if we make a mistake, it's okay. There's grace for that. I don't have to always, it doesn't have to always be my way. And it had to like die a lot to pride and, and arrogance and this fight or flight thing that I had witnessed growing up. And so, and just trusting that God in, in those moments that he's exercising his priestly his priesthood, God is also developing him. And I have to let God work on him. I can't be the God orchestrating the thing. I got to trust God. God, you put him here. You made him the priest of the house. I trust you to go ahead and work the thing out and just be do my job, pray, cultivate the house, have fun, be a listening ear when he wants to talk. Like, And he's also my friend. <laughs> my husband's my best friend. So oh, how do you become friends with your, how do you become best friends with your husband? In dating, we bowl, went bowling, watched movies, talked a lot, hung out with our friends, Bible studies. We just, and because we weren't having sex, I think that was a big part of it that we were building a really strong, solid relationship. And we have a lot of similarities. Like we don't like the same movies or music, but we have the same like social cues and the same things that would irritate somebody, irritate us. You know what I mean? Like you can't, if you rock with somebody I can't rock with, I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> we both have the same, we pick up on the same things. So we just, we're here with a lot of stuff. And so I think that helps that our friendship too. Cause we're like, all right, I'm over it. Me too. Like mm-hmm. we could just look at each other like, <laughs> and we just have this thing. And so. No, yeah, beautiful. like he's just like you would make a French friendship with anyone organically. That's just kind of how it was for us. Why do you think that some people confuse sex and love? Because you said that you were celibate, but you guys were still having fun. You were still getting to know one, one another and you developed love for one another. And then sex came later. But in society, in the world, mm-hmm. sex and love get tossed around as if they're the same thing. And people will confuse love because they're having sex and thinking that that's what that means or think that that is how they get a man to love Mm -hmm. them is by having sex with them. So why do you think that they're confused and how are sex and love different? I think media has a big part in playing in the indoctrination of learning (laughs) what sex and love is, Um, making love, things like that, those terms just loosely being thrown out. 
you have to go back to the word of God. What does God say love is? Well, God is love. And then he breaks it down. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is a verb. Love is action. Love is sacrifice. And so it's denying yourself, putting others before yourself. So understanding that marriage is ultimate sacrificing, dying to yourself, dying to your pride, dying to your ideas, dying to you wanting to be right. And trusting that God is orchestrating and building and establishing, but also with sex because the enemy perverted it. And I don't, and, and it could be that the enemy was, has a plan. He has a plan an end goal. And so love the whole sex being equated with love came out of people's weaknesses and desires for something more and their inability to understand their identity what their identity, who are they? Who am I? That's someone's, that's people's like deepest like question. But when you have God, that question's answered. When you know the Lord, the Lord of your life, that question is answered. You no longer have to think, who am I? You know who you are. You are a child of God. You are, you know, you're saved by grace. Anyway, so when you understand that, you know that, oh man, sex is not love. Sex is just a mere it's supposed to be something that one procreates and brings husband and wife together. That's what sex is for, to keep the, the household together and pure and set apart. But the enemy knows that. So he takes what God has established and perverts it. And so that's why you have people giving themselves away, feeling broken afterward. That's, that's not a clear sign. Love does not die. Love will never end. That's another thing. Love does not die. It's sad that, you know, we have en relationships ending, but you're supposed to love everyone. And love is action. Let me help you. I forgive you. What can I do to help you today? Patient, long suffering. If someone throws something at you because they don't understand you, you take the part, like God says, you know, give them the other cheek. You know what I mean? Put down the sword. So love is, is denying of your own fleshly desires. And we know what they are, anger, rage, passions that lead to just chaos and things like that but sex is not love your identity I, I i it breaks my heart that people are finding their identity in sexual things and that is so not what it is it, it's it's killing you from the inside out like paul says sexual immorality is sin against one's own body it's only sin where you are literally sinning against yourself yourself which is which is awful but that yeah. was beautiful the way that you put it. And love is a decision. Love is a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. And sex is a feeling. And it yeah. usually stems from lust or things of that like. But love mm -hmm. is, is a choice. And love is necessary mm -hmm. in every aspect of life. I had someone ask me once. She said, it says in the Bible that we have to love. But I don't understand why love is so important. And mm -hmm. she wanted to kind of do different things in in the kingdom of God. And I told her, if you wanted to heal someone or you wanted to perform a miracle, you need to love that person for mm -hmm. your faith to work. You need to love yeah. that person for it to manifest. You won't even want to heal people and do all that stuff if you don't love them unless you're doing it for your own selfish desires. Okay. So yeah. love is necessary for everything. And yeah. um, I really Otherwise, like the way that you put it. How do you think Christian women can prepare themselves sexually for marriage 
I want to make sure I understand that question right. Okay. So how can we how do women Christian women prepare? So this is something that is is really big that God has dropped into my heart. This idea that this huge area of our lives in in television in the world is sex. It's the yeah. one thing that we're not to talk about as Christians, but expected to be able to know how to do. And so many women who have saved themselves from marriage waited. And then when they got to the marriage bed, had no idea what to do, felt extremely insecure, felt rage and anger with their parents for not telling them about this or teaching them about Mm -hmm. this. But it's like, you're not allowed to watch porn. You're not allowed to read novels and all this stuff. So how am I supposed to be prepared? Mm -hmm. So my question is more so, are there ways that Christians or women in general, but especially those people who are in Christ, who are wanting to have sex in marriage, how can yeah. they prepare themselves for that? I can I can start it off by saying that I think part of it has to do with the outer. I guess you can start there, the outer mm-hmm. appearance and just keeping yourself clean, allowing yourself to look desirable to your husband. Uh, mm-hmm. Because as Christians, a lot of times we're told to dress in a certain way. And that's something I've always struggled with is my my outer appearance in terms of the way I like to dress in a certain way that I, I think is sexy. Um, mm-hmm. But if your husband doesn't think it's sexy, then it, it's not, that's not going to work. So buying mm-hmm. lingerie and doing things of that nature. But are there any things that you can guide women with in terms of just helping them prepare? Because this is an area I do think is a big problem in the church is that yeah. there's no guidance no, on this piece. Yeah, I definitely would say go Get some counsel from someone who's gone before you, a woman of God who can counsel in that area. And I think we have to break the the taboo behind it and just talk about it more. But um, if you have nothing to compare it to in the world, from the world's perspective, I think that's a safe place. Don't go looking to see how sex is defined by the world. Understanding that God designed sex, he will teach you and your husband the things that you like. You will. Ha- it's a fun time in that early stages of marriage to get to know each other, break through the insecurities. Is this okay? Is that like, that's, that's a beautiful, pure thing, as opposed to, I got to go in having this expertise. It's like, no, because no, just no. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing to be, you know, learning each other. It's a fun stage and, but definitely having more dialogues like this, knowing that it's not, it's not a bad thing to talk about it you know, people have these questions and why not talk about it? Absolutely. Through somebody who is with filled with the spirit, of course. Um, and like you said, just pray, just pray for your husband, pray that God will be there and all that God cares about that. God really like, like you said, he really enjoys husband and wife enjoying each other. And so like, don't, don't put God in a box. You know what I mean? God is so, he wears so many hats. And so, you know, it's a great time to learn in the, in this, and we had to learn each other too. Even we both had promiscuous past. We had to learn and unlearn, unlearn more than learn. You're absolutely right. I think the struggle is that so many women who did wait before marriage, I did not, but women mm-hmm. who did, they mm-hmm. feel as though when that time comes, they've for so long in their mind have deemed sex as evil and bad because they were trying so hard not to fall into that lifestyle that that switch was 
very difficult. It wasn't automatic. They couldn't just all of a sudden think, okay, sex is good. Sex is fun. Sex is pleasing in God's eyes. And that stopped them from opening themselves up to their husbands. And some husbands ended up going astray or just being led into temptation because they were so timid or just weren't able to physically allow their bodies to open up to their husband um, because of that. So it it is a very important topic that I really do want to keep discussing in the community because women being in the world, sex is, is normal. It's, it's just part of life. It's something we talk about. It's something that's in music. It's everywhere. And it's easy to get information on it. It's not easy to get information on it when it comes to sex in the kingdom of God. So Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I do have one last question for you because this is a really important question. You coming from the music industry and being in a position where you are literally about to take off in your career and you have every single component that it would take to take off in the music industry. And I think just an aside is that the enemy knows who you are. He doesn't know everything about you, but he knows enough about you when you're born to kind of know how to get you off track. And he knows that you may have certain desires and tries to steal them before yeah. God can reveal them to you if, if you're not rooted, right? And that's mm-hmm. very normal. So it's like you had this desire to be seen in that way, but it, it was a, a pure desire, but it was for something different. And right. you're now a pastor. So you went from the music industry to, to being a pastor. Are you, you've been an ordained, you've been ordained as a pastor. Is that correct? Yeah. My husband and I were ordained in 2019 on his birthday, actually, September 19th. Wow. You and your husband are now pastors. So yeah. to a person who lived a certain lifestyle, whatever it was, and then found Christ and became part of God's family, do do you have to go to school? Do you have to decide you want to be a pastor? Or are there other ways that they can serve? Because a lot of times we become converted and think, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm ready to go, like be a pastor. <laughs> and it's like, maybe that's not for you. Maybe I want you to be a Christian recording artist, or I want you to sing in the hospital or different mm-hmm. ways, but you were able to do it without going to school, right? I wasn't looking to be a pastor. Okay. I was not in my vision of calling. I still want to sing. And there's there's still, there's a project underway. It's been underway for quite some time. It's very much, Lord, have your way. Because I did it my way for a long time. So the timing is yours. So that's still a, a, a desire. But um, pastoring was not, I want to be a pastor. I need to go to seminary. I had this one time a desire, do I need to go to seminary? But I don't have the money right now. I don't want to apply for a loan. Da, 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 da. I mean, there are free seminary schools online, but it just, it didn't match up. It didn't, I didn't feel like that go. However, now I am sort of speak studying curriculums without the overhead of being, well, not overhead, but without being in the school, like a scholastic seminary type of thing. But I am, I am studying and learning like hermeneutics, apologetics, eschatology, all that stuff. But I was not seeking after it. I see when you're, you're called, saying. when God calls you, he just, it's like, it literally fell on my lap and I was already doing it anyways, like leading women's groups and things like that, pastoring and understanding that God still going to use me how he always intended, whether it's through music, whether it's through speaking, which I don't equip myself to being a good speaker, but the fact that he's called me to do that, I'm like, all right, it's only by the grace of God. And I think God 
because I didn't go to school, it's all the more for his glory. Absolutely. Because the Holy Spirit can teach you so much and he can use lots of people, like you were saying, Dr. Miles Monroe and so many people who can pour into you. But there may be a point in time where you may feel like, okay, I need need some additional knowledge. So I may access these different ways. But just Mm -hmm. to know that that's not the only way is to go to to seminary. Because some people who are in those schools, to be honest, God didn't even call them. So And they're sending out applications to churches and like, that's not that this world of like in the office of the five fold ministry type of thing has to be completely led by the Holy spirit. Now I will say there's a lot of people when they, you know, first get saved and experience the taste of God, they want to run off and I got to go to school and I need to be on the stage and I need to no, God wants to live with him. First, the great commission is to go and make disciples. You can do that by just teaching, just talking about your testimony and as you learn, you can teach without the platform. You can, we, we do it anyway. We teach people about our lives all day long. But making disciples is making people followers of the Lord Jesus. Find them out for yourself. Read this. You have a question about the scripture? Let's read it together. That's what we're supposed to do. And But God will call some other people to go. And, and being a pastor is not fun work. <laughs> it's not easy work. It's a burden. It's a burden that the Lord gives. But it's not something that I think you seek after. The Lord will give it to you. And that's at least that's what he did for me and my husband. We were not seeking after it. We were just like, we want more of Jesus. And he's, humility is key. And understanding that the Lord is the prize above anything else is the key. Wow. Thank you so much. You are such an inspiration to me in so many ways. I love the fact that God put you on my heart to reach out to you and to remind me of how he gave me this glimpse of you such a long time ago. And so much of it has now manifested in my life for his glory. So it is just a pleasure to talk with you and to have you here. And I hope and pray that so many people who are watching this follow you and subscribe to your YouTube channel. So can you just share how people can find you online or at your church or wherever it is that you serve? Sure. So we um, actually just launched a ministry out here in Atlanta, Georgia called Activate. (laughs) And so we meet weekly uh, Wednesday nights at 730. Our Instagram page is activate.atl. My Instagram page can be found Christina underscore Chaney. And I do have a YouTube page. It is Christina Chaney on YouTube. So just getting the message of Jesus out, real Jesus, real loving Jesus out there. And yeah, those are the three ways you can find us online. So definitely subscribe to Christina's channel. She has a really powerful video on what is worship that I definitely recommend you watch and listen to. Thank you so much, Christina. And hopefully when you're in LA next time, we can shoot again and meet in person. (laughs) I would love that. Absolutely. I would too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.